Hey everyone, welcome again to another Devo with Patrick and Jamie. Today we are going to be in the Psalms, and I love reading through the Psalms because there were songs. And uh, who doesn't like a good song, right, Patrick? Oh, I love music. Country music. That's what I listen to oh, most of the time. Country music. I don't listen to country music most of the time, but you know, that's okay. Everyone likes something a little different. Uh, and that's fine. You know, I, I think it'd be interesting if all the songs you listen to just had a number instead of a name. <laughs> yeah, that'd be, yeah, I'm going to listen to songs 35 through 41 this morning. There you go. That's right. That, that's going to be the playlist, just a number. Now, well, Patrick, well, I have a question. where are we at? I got Oh, yeah, go I ahead. I have a question. Well, sure. We're talking about the go songs and you brought up yeah. this number thing. No, oh, jeez. Wait. What's the story behind the numbering of Psalms? Do you know? Were they always oh, numbered? Man. Do they have different names? And so, whoever put them together decided to slap numbers on them. What's the now, what's behind that? Yeah, that is that is a great question. Um, and I don't remember exactly when it happened. I'm gonna have to look it up. I think the numbering of the Psalms, I don't think it happened at the same time that uh, the Bible got its its numbers put into it, right? Mm-hmm. And I do know that there are some different numbering systems for the Psalms. Oh. Um, I think the Hebrew numbering and the Greek numbering um, are actually a, a, a little bit different. Not like a lot different, but a little bit. And I know that because um, when you study Hebrew sometimes and, and you look at the Psalms in the original Hebrew, like the numbering will be like a little bit off on a few of them. But I don't think it's that big of a deal. But typically, they are uh, associated by different different numbers, right? Psalm one and all the way through one hundred right. and fifty. Now, I don't know when that exactly came in. We would have to like look that one up, which I can do right now. I just seem. I think it's interesting that there's conveniently one hundred and fifty psalms. Like somewhere along the line, someone thought, oh, we're going to, you know, make this one extra long, the longest psalm, and that way we can hit 150. And maybe it was a few psalms mixed together. I know some psalms have the little interlude break written into them where you're supposed to pause and take a break. It's interesting, you know? You brought up the number thing, and then I, my brain started running away with it, thinking about it, so... I thought I'd ask. Yeah, I don't, you know, I don't know when they happened. I don't think, and, you know, anyone out there who's listening, if you can figure this one out in a hurry, because Patrick just likes to drop questions on me out of the blue, (laughs) uh, feel free to look it up. I might look it up later. But I think the Psalms have kind of always had the numbers from as long as we have uh, some of the old um, texts, the, the Masoretic texts from way back in the day. I think the numbering system was there. Um, but I do wonder, do we know, like, are, do Psalms exist outside of having, having the, uh, the number system to it? Yeah. Not sure. Right. Cause there's the, the Psalms are numbered and then there's hymns that are also numbered, but they have a name. So no, that's true. A lot, that's a lot true. of numbers going on, but anyway, a lot of numbers. Let's look at Psalm 32, three, two. Okay. That's where we're at. Good old three, two. Do I, do I get to read it? Yeah. You get to read it. And on the top of mine, it says a Psalm of David, a maskil. Yes. What in the world does that I mean? I don't think, I don't, I don't think uh, it means a massive killing. I don't think that's what it means because it has the word mass and kill in it. Um, what I've always been told is that, that that is 
most likely a musical term. Like maybe it was the the type of song that it was. Um, you know, like maybe that means it, this is a country song. Um, no, I, I don't know <laughs> if that's true, but we have musical terms for different songs, right? Different songs have a different genre that they're a part of. They might have a different, um, you know, all, all the different words we use for music. So this is an ancient term mm. and it's probably for, uh, to describe what type of music it or it is, but I don't think we know. Like I don't think someone could say, "Hey, I know how to sing a mascal." But um, <laughs> we can look at this and say, "I guess that's what this is. This is a mascal for whatever reason." Let's let's read and it so, and try to figure it out. Yeah, we'll figure we'll we'll figure all that out today. Just you and me here on the podcast on the Devo. Excited <laughs> about that. So here we go. Psalm thirty-two of David. And verse one starts saying this, blessed is the one whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the one whose sin the Lord does not count against them and in whose spirit is no deceit. When I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night, your hand was heavy on me. My strength was sapped as in the heat of summer. Then I acknowledged my sin to you and did not cover up my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord and you forgave the guilt of my sin. Therefore, let all the faithful pray to you while you may be found. Surely the rising of the mighty waters will not reach them. You are my hiding place. You will protect me from trouble and surround me with songs of deliverance. I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you with my loving eye on you. Do not be like the horse or the mule, which have no understanding, but must be controlled by bit and bridle, or they will not come to you. Many are the woes of the wicked." But the Lord's unfailing love surrounds the one who trusts in him. Rejoice in the Lord and be glad, you righteous. Sing, all you who are upright in heart. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Now, I normally we start at the top. I want to get one thing out of the air right now. Verse 10. Okay. Many are the right. woes of the wicked. Now, I... Whoa. I, I was brought to my attention that the song... By Drake. Oh, okay. Called Know Yourself. Had to okay. look up what the song was called. The song by sure. Drake called Know Yourself. The The chorus goes, I was running through the six with my woes. Now, hmm. when I, I, and I just, I just discovered this the other day. In okay. that song, the what he, Drake means by woes means his friends. Like a, it's oh, like happy weird. and exciting. Yeah. It's Drake like acknowledged that himself. He said, no, I'm, I mean, I'm like running through the six with my friends. Uh, not you know, I thought this whole time he was running through the six with all of his like troubles and, you know, problems and the woes of his life, how you would really probably use this, uh, this term. So I just wanted to sort out what kind of woe we're talking about here <laughs> in verse 10. Well, and you bring up a good point, you know, uh, if you think the Bible's hard to interpret, uh, good luck interpreting, uh, Drake lyrics, apparently. (laughs) Yeah. Um, they they may have a whole nother layer of interpretation, but you know, that does, you do bring up a good point and that is we have to interpret all sorts of things in life. You know, you might be sitting, listening and repeating and reciting, 
some lyrics to maybe your favorite country song or a hip hop song or whatever it is that you listen to. Um, and you don't even know what it means, but you're just resuscitating. You're just uh, resuscitating is not the right word. Reciting. There we go. <laughs> Resuscitating is bringing back to life. That'd be weird. Yeah. Um, you're just reciting lyrics in your head. You might not know what they mean. Uh, but then at some point you stop and you're like, wait, what does that mean? What does that mean to be running through the sixth with my woes? Is that exactly the lyric? That's I don't know. That's the lyric. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, right. So it takes some interpretation. The Bible's the same way. It's just a little bit of interpretation. So the woes that we're talking about now. Uh, Pat, why don't you look up a, a, a Google definition of the word woes? A woe is usually like a problem, a lament, a sadness. That's um, right. Great sorrow or distress. Yeah. Great sorrow or distress. Yep. Sometimes I, I almost see it as uh, Jesus when he is um, praying, or not when he's praying, he's actually giving like a, a message, and he, he actually says, woe to you Pharisees and teachers of the law. Um, it's kind of almost as a warning as well, right? right. So the word woe is, is not positive. This is like a bad thing. So there you go. Right. There's the woe. That's right. Yeah, not a positive thing. And historically, this word has stopped be, has not been used as frequent, frequently as it was in the 1800s. Okay. <laughs> thanks, Google. And that makes sense. Yeah, I yeah, thanks, Google. Exactly. I, you know, I don't know if I hear people say, you know, woe is me anymore. Um, right. It's more of a poetic way of saying things. Yeah. Um, well, let's go back up to the first verse. And the first verse and the second verse both begin with a blessing. That's right. Blessed is the one. Uh, or blessed are you when your transgressions are forgiven, when your sins are covered. Now, we're getting right into this, right? We're talking about sins being covered. Uh, you know, transgressions are are your mistakes when you've done something wrong. Uh, same as, you know, the word for, for sin. It's like, man, you're blessed when your sins are forgiven and your transgressions are covered up. That's kind of a cool idea. But that idea we normally think of as a New Testament idea. We think of it as an idea that comes from Jesus. And maybe if you've, you know, read any of the Bible or spent some time in Bible school or gone to a Bible camp, uh, you hear the idea that Jesus paid for our sins with his blood. And, and that idea is is atonement, that Jesus, uh, by his death, he paid for our mistakes, our sins. And so we we take that on a lot. We actually teach that a lot to kids as well. Hmm. But that's more of a New Testament thought, usually, in the Christian church. Now we're looking at it uh, from way back in the day of David. And this is a long time before Jesus, like 800 years, 800,000 years before Jesus. And uh, we're looking at David and his life and and he's saying that, right? right? He's saying, no, I'm blessed when my sin is forgiven, when it's covered over. God doesn't count my sin against me. That's kind of a cool idea. Yeah, right? And you're like, yes, amen. Um, now, some of us, we take that idea for granted, but if you think about it, um, it's weird to say someone is blessed because that person got away with this. That is the worst thing. That's not just... And it changes our hearts towards people. Mm -hmm. When I see someone get away with something, uh, usually that makes me upset. I don't look at that person and say, that person is blessed. I don't look at that person and say, that person is definitely forgiven. Their sin is covered up. I don't know if I would. 
I don't know if I've ever even thought that. Yeah. And you normally wouldn't. Now, here's the difference is David knew God so closely that, uh, and when you think about David, David was like, uh, you know, the way they describe in the Old Testament is a man after God's own heart. Um, David made plenty of mistakes. Uh, He did plenty of things right. Um, But David knew God so closely that, that he knew the power of God. He knew that God was the ultimate judge. He knew that God had the power to forgive sins. He knew that God loved giving people mercy and giving people grace, uh, even when they didn't deserve it. That So David knew that about God. And so I believe that in this, he's seeing that, and he's, he's kind of like teaching with this song, but he's probably also um, saying this for himself, right? Uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it for someone who is that close to Christ – He's probably saying this from experience, uh, something that he experienced himself, but also recognizes it for himself and probably knows that Christ is not just giving him a special treatment by blessing him and covering his sins, but that Christ is doing that for everyone across the board. And it, and it really is interesting to the last part of verse two, right? In, in whose spirit is no deceit. Um, so in, in, for you to have no deceit in your heart doesn't mean you're perfect. It means that you're not trying to cover it up. And so I think that's, that's kind of what's happening here too, right? Blessed is one whose sin the Lord does not count against them and in whose spirit is no deceit. They're not, not trying to deceive God. Um, my Bible has a little note on it, a little C, and it gives two verses. And one is John 1 47. And it said, when Jesus saw Nathaniel approaching, he said of him, here truly is an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. Um, so Jesus said that of Nathaniel in, in a positive way. And in, in the book of Revelation as well, it, it also says in Revelation 14, verse 5, no lie was found in their mouths. They are blameless. So in scripture, we get a couple examples of not being deceitful as being a very positive, good thing. Yeah. When I look at this, I think of David and his own story and how he is not trying to cover up his mistakes. And it gets into that further down. Verse three, uh, he, he gets into this idea, right? When I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night, your hand was heavy on me. My strength was sapped as in the heat of summer. Now we live in San Diego yeah, and the heat of summer is not that bad where we live. I mean, and there's like maybe five days a year where it's pretty bad. Yeah, there might be five days a year. And we know that, you know, you wait a few days or you wait a week and all of a sudden it's great. Uh, but if you live in an area or most places that have real seasons, the summer comes in and it might get humid and hot and you need air conditioning. If you don't have air conditioning, uh, basically what people do in the middle of the day is they lounge around and do nothing. Right. Try to And move. I've been in places... Yeah, I've been in places like that where it's like, no, 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 you don't, you don't go out and do a bunch of physical labor in the middle of the day in summer. That's just dumb. That's that's not the thing to do, because right. it takes your strength away. It actually makes more sense to either get up really early and work hard, and then take a break, and then maybe at night work hard again. Um, and so David is saying that he's saying when I kept silent, when I didn't confess my sins, when I didn't acknowledge my sins, when I was hiding all all of this. My bones were wasting away. My strength was pulled away from me, uh, just like in the heat of a summer day. Groaning all day long. Now, I've, I've gone out in, in the Midwest, 
hot summer day, you know, 90 yeah. degrees, 80% humidity, middle of the day. And I, and I've, I don't know why, but you know, I'm the kind of guy that would say, you know what, let me go grab the mower, mow the lawn. It's not, you're not <laughs> one of the ones where you're sitting and, you know, driving around. It's you're pushing it and you're huffing it. And I'll, I'll do that in the middle of the day. And my mom would always say, what in the world are you thinking? It's like so hot out. Why are you trying to do this in the heat of the day? And then she yelled at me for mowing the lawn barefoot, uh, which is also pretty dangerous. So don't, don't do that. But yeah, not a good idea. I've experienced, you know, the work fatigue of working outside, doing something where you're, you know, building up a sweat as it is in the middle, in the hottest part of the day, you get a different type of tired. I did some work in uh, Mississippi after Hurricane Katrina had come through and we grabbed a bunch of kids and, and the only time we could go is when kids had time off of, of school and that was the summer. So we went in the summer. It was hot. It was humid. It was like 95 degrees and like 95% humidity. It was disgusting. And we were gutting out these houses. Now the houses, you know, the air conditioning was gone. They didn't have anything in them. And it was actually hotter inside the houses than it was outside. And so we would walk into these places and I kid you not, within about 30 minutes of being there, everyone on our team, our t-shirts we were wearing had all changed color because we had sweat all the way through them. Whoa. It wasn't like a sweat spot at one part of the shirt. It was like the entire shirt (laughs) had absorbed all of the moisture in our bodies. We had now sweat out into our shirts and you're right. It was a totally a different level of exhaustion. Yeah. Yeah. Totally different. And I think David here is saying, and David's a guy who knows exhaustion. He's been out fighting battles and running around the desert. I mean, he gets this. He knows this. Uh, But he's saying that hiding our sin from God, not acknowledging it, trying to cover it up, when we cover it up, that is something that weighs on us so heavy. It's like working in the middle of a summer day. It, It takes away our energy. It's like a hand that's upon us. God does not let us be comfortable with sin that's not repented, not given to him. So verse five, David makes a change. It says, then I acknowledged my sin to you and did not cover up my iniquity. Iniquity is the same idea, sin, mistakes. Mm. I said, David says, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord and you forgave me the guilt of my sin. Uh, that, you know, we read that and we're like, oh yeah, that's what God does. He forgives sins. You know, maybe, maybe some folks out there are familiar with the Catholic church where you confess to a priest and the priest uh, offers, um, you know, gives you penance uh, in that, in that moment of, of confession. And, you know, you've probably, you know, seen at least in movies, confessional booths and that whole idea. Uh, and the idea is the priest is kind of an intermediary between you and, and God. Mm-hmm. Uh, in our in our faith tradition and Protestant faith traditions, we are able to ca- actually to confess directly to God, much like David here yeah. is confessing directly to God. And basically, what's what I like, uh, what I love about this is it's it's not like he's saying then I went and did the right thing. It's more like he's saying I just I gave in, I gave up. I was too I was too tired of trying to fight this on my own. Yeah. And I think it's also important to note that as as quick as he said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, to you, Lord, uh, it was instant that he forg- that's the for- that the Lord forgave the guilt of the sin. It's not like yeah. a a process or there's no 
like a timer. You're like, oh, now he hits start on the timer. He's got to weigh his 24 hours. No, it's yeah, it's instantaneous. We don't get that because as people, we're not like that. Yeah, it's not how we operate. We don't. And, you know, I'm guilty of it too. If, if when someone confesses something or when I need to forgive someone, it takes me a long time to forgive them. Mm-hmm. I have to like think it through. I have to pray about it. I have to give it to the Lord and say, Lord, I don't want to forgive this person, but I have to uh, help me do it. But with God, God's like, it's almost like God is just waiting. He's like, oh, I'm ready. I'm so ready to forgive the guilt of their sin if they would only bring it to me. Yeah, so verse six, David changes the tone. uh, And he now is addressing, he was in verse five addressing God. uh, And in verse four, he's addressing God. Um, but now he's addressing God, but he's kind of making this proclamation to us, right? Let all the faithful pray to you while you may be found. Hmm. Um, and that's kind of a scary passage because you think about it and you're like, oh, wait, when can God not be found? And, and it, it's kind of a cool idea um, that it's like, there's a time to do this and the time is now. Right. And I would echo that with with David, Right. Pray to God, ask God for repentance. Don't wait on it. You know, waiting on it is not is not helpful in any way. Yeah. Um, sitting in your sin is not helpful in any way. Well, and it and it's the same idea on, you know, you're working out in the summer day, you get tired, you're carrying the sin, you get tired. Well, if you work out in the middle of the day on a summer's day for a week, it's gonna take you longer to recover. You're gonna be tired for longer. The longer you carry your sin, the more tired it's going to be, uh, you're, you're going to be, the more recovery you're going to have to go through. Uh, it's, it's the same concept. Exactly. It's like, don't carry this weight around, let it go. Mm-hmm. And he continues, he says, you know, let the faithful pray to you, will you may be found. Surely the rising of the mighty waters will not reach them, the faithful, right? So it's like when we pray to the Lord, confess to the Lord, David is saying, hey, these, these rising mighty waters and, and, and some areas of our country get floods and floods are devastating. Uh, the, the hurricane and the Hurricane Katrina, you know, it was kind of the, the, the wind and the flood is what destroyed all the homes. Mm-hmm. And, and you might not be able to tell what part destroyed which, you know, part more, but both of them were terrible. But flood waters coming up can really just be devastating. And so uh, here we, we see David is saying, surely these rising mighty waters, they won't reach them. And he says to God, you're my hiding place. You will protect me from trouble and surround me with songs of deliverance because God will deliver us. Absolutely. And how, how cool is that, that David now is like putting that together with confession because confession doesn't just save us from like our current situation. In fact, a lot of times when we confess something to God and we bring it before the Lord, it doesn't change our circumstances. Like maybe, for instance, you stole something and you got in trouble and now you have to do community service. Right. Uh, it's not like you confess to God, Lord, I stole something. And then all of a sudden everyone's like, oh, you don't have to do that community service anymore. Uh, you don't have to have this on your record. You don't have to. It, it doesn't work that way. What David, I think, is saying, what's a big deal is ultimately God will save you because there's a bigger deal uh, out there than your current situation. There's a bigger spiritual reality in your current situation. And that spiritual reality is that sin, and, and we hear this in Romans, for the wages of sin is death. Right. And, and that means, you know, we could have this eternal death, which is sounds super heavy because it is. Um, we can have this eternal death 
because of sin, because of iniquity, because of transgressions. But God gives us this free gift when all we really have to do, and it doesn't seem fair because it isn't really fair. All we really have to do is confess it before the Lord. Give those sins to the God. Uh, give those sins to God. Right. And we receive this salvation, right? And, and David's comparing it to like the mighty waters that will get you or, or trouble that's surrounding you. God will deliver you from it. And then he gets a little practical, you know? He's <laughs> yes. Verse eight, I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. Well, if I was going to pick someone to be a teacher, I would pick someone like David close to the Lord. Yeah. I'll counsel yeah. you with my, with my loving eye on you. That's also yeah. cool. Really cool. And then he gives some warnings as well. Yeah. And I love, I love this. I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I'll counsel you with my loving eye on you. And, you know, we can, we can read that and say, you know, that's David talking to us. And, and we can look at it too and say, well, maybe that's even God talking to us Mm. through David. Right. Yeah. Um, Because we know that God will instruct us. We know that God's eye is loving. David was the king. He was like an agent of God. uh, And the people looked to him for wisdom. Right. Now, verse nine, this is, this is great, right? Do not be like the horse or the mule. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which have no understanding. Uh, and now if you know horses and you know mules, uh, you probably know that they are animals that are, you know, that work for people effectively and that they are intelligent relatively. Yeah. Yeah. They're, very smart. They're not like, they're not like super dumb, but they do need to be helped. They knew, do need to be, controlled and they're controlled by a bit and a bridle. Uh, and even back then, right, we're talking thousands of years ago, they're controlled by a bit and a bridle that hasn't changed. Right. Um, or they'll not, they'll, they will not come to you unless you have that power to control them. So don't be like them. Don't be stubborn. Right. We talk about mules being stubborn and this is a great example of scripture kind of, you know, affirming that idea. Do not be like them. And then verse 10, many are the woes of the wicked just like we talked about, right? Many are the hardships of the wicked, but the Lord's unfailing love surrounds the one who trusts in him. When you trust in God, God's love surrounds you. And so Patrick, our last final verse, what does it tell us to do? I'll let you read it. Rejoice in the Lord and be glad, you righteous. Sing all you who are upright in heart. That's it, man. So what is our response? Rejoice, be glad, praise God. Yeah. Right? Sing. And sing all of you who are upright in heart. And how can we be upright in heart? Well, I think at the beginning we see the way to be upright in heart. <laughs> don't be like a mule. Don't don't be stubborn. Don't hide your sin from God. Absolutely. Don't think you can hide your sin from God. Confess to God, and that will put you in a place where your heart is right and right with God. Yeah. The word of the Lord. Amen. <laughs>